Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. All right, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am super excited to announce another lovely guest coming actually all the way from Buffalo, and she suffers with something that I can totally, totally relate to. So let's just hear her story. And welcome, Stevie. Am I saying your name right? (laughs) It's Stevie like Stevie Nicks. Yeah, that's awesome. So welcome, Stevie. Why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Yeah, absolutely. So hi, I'm Stevie. Um, I'm 32 years old. And my story for me started with chronic disease started almost two years ago. Um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in January 2019. Oh my God, because 2020 has felt like 10 years in a one. I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Um, So it's a fairly new thing for me. And um, if you're not familiar with autoimmune diseases, um, the way I like to say it is they're weird, but they're ever-changing. They're going to be different from person to person, just from what I've learned. Um, And with rheumatoid arthritis in particular, there is no cure. It's only management. And I've also been learning (laughs) very firsthand the last two years that it takes a lot of trial and error to kind of figure out how to best manage it for each individual. So it's been a journey, but um, kind of prior to my rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis, of course, I was very young. I was, I was just turned 30 two months prior um, when I was diagnosed. And I don't have a family history of rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune disease. And there's a really strong genetic tie with a disease like this. Um, but prior to it, I've always been an athlete, um, grew up playing team sports, played lacrosse at the collegiate level. Um, once I retired from lacrosse my sophomore year to kind of focus more on my schoolwork, I got into running, which eventually led to triathlons. And I did my first full Ironman. So that's for who's not familiar. Um, it's a 2.4 oh, mile wow. swim, <laughs> 112 mile bike, and then a marathon run. I did my first full Ironman in 2012, so I was just like 22, um, was just finishing up my degree. I'm a registered dietitian. Um, And then since 2012 through 2019, I've done 10 full Ironmans. So in every other race distance in between, like really any, if someone asked me, oh, you want to do this, like swim across the Chesapeake Bay? I was like, sure. Oh my (laughs) goodness. (laughs) Yeah, so very into like the endurance sports world. Um, Running has always been my favorite, but biking and swimming were also the things that kept me like healthy. Um, So very active. And then uh, in 2018, in November, I like, I went to Hawaii for work in October, which Buffalo, Hawaii is like 20 plus hours of travel. And I worked and I was on my feet like 10, 12 hours a day in the Hawaii heat. It was, it was amazing. It was super fun. I had a great time. Came back like the end of a grad school semester because I was in grad school and working four jobs, um, all like telework. And then I was also training. I had done an Ironman in July. I was training for another one in November that got canceled for a hurricane. <laughs> and then at the end of November, I ended up going to Patagonia on oh, wow. a hiking trip. Yes. So a 10 day whirlwind hiking trip. So that was like 40 hours of travel. I'm sorry. My dog is being 
he's smacking his toys everywhere in the background, <laughs> which is probably really loud. Um, and uh, I ended up going on that hiking trip, and there's a point to all of this, because when I got back from that hiking trip, I started to notice like something isn't right. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel well, I was tired, really had, you know, struggled with my energy levels. And I was like, well, I just literally did all of these things. I've been across the globe. I've been training for an Ironman, which is a ton of time. Like I have a lot yes. of work, school stress. So I didn't really think a ton of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And also because I, I kind of been living at that level for like the past like six or seven years. And, you know, being a dietitian, like nutrition is something like, you know, I'm on top of all that stuff. Like I'm a, I'm a healthy individual. So I was like, oh, I'm probably just run down. And then I got blood work. I got labs drawn um, for one of the companies I work for called Inside Tracker. And I noticed that like my white blood cells are like two, like my hemoglobin hematocrit like dropped significantly. And a few other labs are a little bit off. And I was like, huh, maybe I should just go see my primary care physician. And then right about that time, I started to like get crazy hives all over my body from like head to wow. toe at night and like numbness tingling in my hands. Like I couldn't sleep. My hair was falling out. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was like a zero to 60 over two weeks. And like, thankfully I have a very good primary care provider who was like, okay, we're literally going to test you for everything. And they thought it was something like a Lyme disease to begin with, um, something along those lines, like never would have rheumatoid arthritis crossed my mind ever, mm -hmm. but my rheumatoid factor came off like off the charts. Hmm. So then off to the rheumatologist, the antibody test, all of that. And then I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and I was very lucky to have such a good provider because I was actually able to like go from symptoms to diagnosis within six weeks, which that's crazy. That's really right? good. Yeah. I know. My doctor pulled some strings to get me into a rheumatologist so I wouldn't have to wait six months. Mm -hmm. um, so, and now here we are. <laughs> it was a crazy whirlwind to get me to here. <laughs> no kidding. That's like a 180 if I haven't ever heard one before in my life. Holy moly. Just going to run a few marathons and then get arthritis. No big deal. It's fine, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I know there's a point to all of this story. And the point is, is that Obviously, so they never found the root cause except for stress. They never mm. found an underlying infection because they're like, oh, maybe she picked something up in Patagonia, et cetera, et cetera, because I have no family history. So they're right. like, oh, it should be an infection. But like literally, I remember getting like 20 vials of blood drawn mm. for my, like one of my draws initially. And they found no infection. So they're like, yeah, it was just stress. So yeah. I, I like to point out all the stress I unnecessarily put my body through and then this happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what though? Like I'm a firm believer that most autoimmune diseases, if not all of them are all caused from stress because I have, I have Crohn's disease and okay. I know that when I get really, really, really stressed out or I drink too much, that's bad. But like my, my body will start flaring. Like as soon as I am stressing out with money or stressing out with like, I don't know, Whatever it is, anything that I put myself under unnecessary stress, my body's like, nope, <laughs> go take a vacation, girl. <laughs> right? Like, that's enough. Time to hit the couch. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Watch some Netflix, maybe get some popcorn. 
right? (laughs) So what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to go through throughout all of this? Oh, there's a number of things, of course. Um, I would say there's probably two really hard things. One is how isolating autoimmune disease is. Um, And I mean, I have a wonderful family. I have great friends, but like, it's just something that you, you can explain it, but I don't think it ever fully, like, it never just fully clicks with people. Um, And it's to no fault of their own, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe there's some people, I'm sure people are watching my Instagram story say I'm talking about this and they're not finishing it because they don't care. It's fine. It's on them, not me. But like, it's just something that you can't really put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And it's also isolating because you never want to be that person like, oh, I'm in pain or, oh, I'm tired. Like, it's like, you got to kind of like, no matter what it is, like you, at least for me, I feel like I have to kind of like put on a happy face. And like, when I really struggle with certain things, like opening salsa jars, like my hands are one of the things that are most affected by my RA. It's kind of like, you know, I live alone. So if it's, it's hard to be like, I can't, I can't do this. Like if I would have known how many coffee mugs and glasses I would have broken once I got diagnosed with RA, I would have got oh, Yetis no. everywhere. So I wouldn't break <laughs> any more things. I'm um, kidding. <laughs> so that's really hard. And that kind of like goes into the second point of the struggle is the physical side of it. Like I identify as an athlete. Like I never have wanted my athletics and like Ironman and whatever to be like the only thing that defines me. Like I feel like a lot of people get really like hyper-focused on, oh, they're an Ironman. That is what they are. It's not my only accomplishment, but it's, you know, it was a very big part of my life. It's how I created a lot of great friendships, um, Mm -hmm. been a lot of cool places. You know, I work in that field. I mostly work with endurance athletes as a dietitian. So it was, I did, ended up doing two full Ironmans after my diagnosis um, right. in 2018, which it was mostly because I didn't want to lose all the registration fees. Because um, <laughs> it's Preach. not a hobby. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most exactly. expensive hobby ever um, besides hard drugs, but. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but um, it was, it was, I didn't enjoy it as much because I just find that I can't, like push myself through like long bike rides or tempo runs or hard workouts like I used to like things just don't click the same Mm -hmm. so to kind of like I feel like sometimes I'm like oh I fell from grace like here I am like this super you know this super like Iron Man I can do all the things to like oh my god I can't even hang up balloons for my sister-in-law's birthday party because my hands aren't working so like that whole feeling like an athlete, feeling strong and healthy, kind of feeling like I lost that identity to maybe it's, I mean, to no fault of my own kind of has, has been a, a weird struggle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, going from like, you are going at a hundred miles, a hundred miles an hour to having to literally physically stop because your body's like, nope. <laughs> so <laughs> So on the flip side of that question, do you think that there's anything that's good that has come out from everything that you've been through? Um, yeah, absolutely. There's always good in something, right? Like I probably needed to slow down. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Your body's like, stop, just stop. I'm done with the Iron Man's lady. (laughs) Right. Enough of this. Um, you know, it's, 
I was like kind of getting to the point where I was thinking about retiring from Ironman anyways, just because it's just, it's so much time and you're training 16 to 23 hours a week. And it's mm-hmm. helped me focus more on my career a little bit more. It's also, again, like slowing down, slowing down has been great. I spent a lot more time running trails, which mm. if you run trails and you're not like super competitive, it's really like, kind of like, oh, I'm going to walk up this hill. At least it is for me. So it's like, yes, a slower pace, enjoying nature. Um, it's given me like m- more time to like hike, you know, just kind of move my body in a different way. Um, and like, again, shift my focus a little bit more towards my career. And, uh, so it's, it's been, it's been good. It was not the worst thing in the world. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's literally exactly what happened when I got my disease. It's like, I was just going in 17 different directions at once. And my body was just like, just stop, just stop please just stop. Take a break. <laughs> yeah, just take a little breaky break and think about yourself for a second here, all right? <laughs> right? Just kick back. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh it's it's definitely it's been a little bit weird, but um it's just like I feel like chronic disease, especially something like RA or even like Crohn's, etc., it's it's like in that gray space, right? Obviously it's not cancer, but it's like more than a common cold, but like no one can see it. So it's like mm-hmm. that in-between space where like, obviously you're not very sick with cancer or like, obviously you're, you know, it's not something just like a common cold, but people look at me and they're like, oh, but you're still running 20 miles a week. And it's just like, but, you know, like show a little like empathy, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is because of the fact that so many diseases are invisible diseases. And the other thing that's frustrating with having an invisible chronic disease is the fact that like, sure, I was fine on Monday, but now I'm dying and it's Friday. Thank you. I know that. (laughs) I appreciate your whatever comments. I know. I get it. It sucks. It's so frustrating. But honestly, I just feel like there's just a lack of understanding and a lack of awareness of what a chronic invisible disease is. Because if everybody knew what a chronic invisible disease was and they understood it like we understand it, then nobody Mm -hmm. would be a jerk about these types of things. You know, it's like, oh, you don't feel good today. Okay, great. Perfect. Lay on the couch. I'll get you some, some hot pads or whatever it is. Like, no, don't worry about it. But anyways, again, awareness, understanding, that sort of thing. It's just honestly, people that say those types of things, it's just sheer ignorance and it's not their fault of their own. I mean, not every single person on the planet knows everything, right? So actually, I'm yet to find one person that knows everything on the planet. (laughs) I hear teenagers are a good place to start. Right. Yeah, (laughs) I I heard that too. Down the grapevine. (laughs) Yeah. So fun question. If you can go back in time and tell your younger self something, what do you think that would be? Oh man, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I don't know, honestly, (laughs) I, um, I know that's a terrible answer to this question. I just, I think that for someone like a younger self of me, like, I think I took pretty good care of myself. I think I, you know, like had a very healthy diet, had a lot of fun, done a lot of cool stuff worked really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, just like shit happens, you know? So, I mean, there would be nothing I would change. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was a learning experience and I don't think I could have like 
I mean, obviously I could have managed my stress better, but um, we can all do that. But I don't think I would tell younger Stevie to change anything. Maybe get a dog sooner, but that was, that would probably <laughs> right? be it. <laughs> that is valid. That is so valid. Poor dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like why, yeah. why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> that's <Right>? awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. You know, I think that it's so important. I mean, the stress level thing, I mean, I think that's huge because every single person on this planet, I think can handle stress more. And I feel like people who have a chronic illness, because of the fact that we have a chronic disease, we're pretty good at handling stress now sort of thing. Yeah. So that's good. But yeah, no, that's awesome. And you know, I think that what you've done with your life has been so amazing. I'm I'm excited to hear what you do with the next like 20 years of your life because I feel like it's just going to get even better now that you understand yourself just a little bit more too. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, so, thank you. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what are you doing for treatments? Like what has helped you the most with your disease up to now? Um, so I've been a little bit stubborn. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Um, you know, especially as someone who's, uh, worked in healthcare for a while, um, cause I did, I do also have a clinical, um, nutrition background. I'm like, I like that happy place between, um, Western medicine and, you know, nutrition and lifestyle, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like obviously nutrition and lifestyle is very important. That's how, I mean, that's my career. Essentially. <laughs> that is my career, but I don't, I've never been that person that like, food is medicine because it's not. And sometimes like you need Western medicine, which is like chronic diseases. Um, of course, it's always finding, like I said, like that happy medium. Um, <clears throat> so I started on Plaquenil or more famously known as hydroxychloroquine um, when I first got diagnosed. And then we added in a biologic and um, weekly about Ooh, six months after diagnosis. Cause I was like, I really want to like try and keep myself on minimal meds as long as I can. And then I just added methotrexate into the cocktail of medications. Um, actually just a couple weeks ago, this was just my third week taking it. Um, a fairly low dose, uh, but that's been a big struggle for me, the side effects of it. Um, you know, one thing I've also struggled with with the RA is the brain fog. Like, oh, yeah. I think that's been one of the, you know, beyond the physical stuff, really frustrating and something people don't know about. Um, and the methotrexate kind of like amplifies that for me after I take that dose. Yeah. Plus the nausea. Um, but you know, we're, we're working around it. We're finding some saltines and, and ginger tea, but I mean, I'm hoping the side effects will lessen, but I have started to no notice a difference like the other five days a week that I'm starting to feel like, knock on wood, a little bit better. Little bit better. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, so I'm hoping that works. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good margarita. <laughs> I love a good <laughs> glass of wine. And the reason I delayed methotrexate is because, air quotes, I was told minimal alcohol. Um well on methotrexate. So <laughs> I was like, doc, I'm only 32, you know? Um, but <laughs> fun out of life. Let's be honest. I know. I was like, I don't want, like, I don't, I mean, I can't be a total fun sponge. Right. Um, <laughs> but hopefully it works. I'm like, honestly, I don't actually even drink that much anymore. I mean, no one goes out anymore because COVID. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, exactly. 
So, um, you know, we're just, we're just going to roll with the punches on that one. So that's kind of like the medication, obviously my diet, I try not to eat like a trash panda. Um, I, (laughs) I notice certain foods like right away in my pointer finger, like, okay, like you ate a lot of cheese today and like my hand will start to swell or steak. Um, also does it if I definitely, if I drink, I feel it in my hands. Um, Mm. but of course, like I never do any of those in excess. And I know some people who have this disease, like a thousand percent cut it out, but you know what? Quality of life. My stepdad makes a good steak. So I like to have that when I'm (laughs) over to their house. Whatever. (laughs) Plus I need to keep my iron levels, you know, in check. Um, and I make sure I move every day. Um, I still am like biking and running and swimming, not quite to the level as before. Um, my doctor, she was always a little, she was not really stoked when I told her I was still racing two Ironmans because part of, um, my DEXA scan for people who don't know, bone scan, I have osteopenia in my right hip and my lumbar spine, um, despite having the best vitamin D levels she's ever seen. Um, so (laughs) she is not super jazzed when I do things that could result in high impact trauma. Um, (laughs) so mostly biking indoors on my trainer, but, um, it's, it, you know, one of the good things again, coming from this is slowing down and reminding myself and other people like walking is exercise, like lots of good Mm -hmm. walks with the dog and, um, just beating up my body a little bit less, but making sure that I still get outside, get moving, get that fresh air. That's always been really helpful for me too. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a matter of slowing it down sometimes. That's actually so funny because I used to be like super into going to the gym and like mm-hmm. exercising as much as I can. And I ran a marathon when I was 19, like right in the middle of me being super sick. And uh, yep. anyways, nowadays I go for like hikes with my dog and that's about it. I'm like, this is fine. Maybe I'll do some push-ups maybe on Thursday. Maybe I won't though. Who knows? <laughs> maybe not, right? Uh, who oh, cares? This is still good, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome, Stevie. Well, I want to just thank you so much for your time, but um, was there any more advice or anything that you could tell the listeners before we go? Um, I would say just, I mean, I feel like I, this is really super cheesy, but just practicing more empathy with everyone and anyone, even if you don't have a chronic disease, like you don't know if whoever's mom or partner has a chronic disease, you know, there is always someone struggling with something, you know, whether it's physical, mental, et cetera. Um, and nobody's perfect, right? But if we can all just be a little bit kinder and more understanding and give our, and also give ourselves more grace, um, you know, with everything, I feel like there's always a lot of pressure to finish the to-do list, do the 5 a.m. workout, you know, just eat everything perfectly that nothing's perfect growth is not linear. So just more empathy and kindness. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like grace with yourself, patience with yourself and that sort of thing is such a huge, huge thing for every single person with chronic disease. Actually, any single person on the planet, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's always something. Yes, exactly. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, Stevie? Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can give me a follow on Instagram at Stevie Lindlin, S-T-E-V-I-E-L-Y-N-L-Y-N. 
um, mostly good dog content and poorly plated food. Um, <laughs> again, I am a dietitian, but my food pictures aren't perfect. Um, I do try to drop some wisdom there. Um, and feel free to shoot me a message on there. And if you want to connect more, we can always email as well. Um, or just stay for the dog content. That's fine by me. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I like on there. So it's perfect. I mean, your food looks pretty good too, but your dog is awesome. <laughs> yeah, <he's pretty> great. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will make sure that I, I will have all of your contact details in the podcast description as well. And I just want to thank you again so much, Stevie, for taking the time today to be a part of this podcast and also being vulnerable and telling a bit of your story. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me and thanks for doing this and uh, getting the word and awareness out. There definitely needs to be more of it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Stevie and I are off like a herd of turtles.